In the current age of digital transformation, how close are we to achieving IoT reality? On this podcast, we discuss the success of MQTT, the hurdles that still exist, and the bright outlook of achieving an IoT solution with the help of a strong ecosystem. This is Inductive Conversations with Travis Cox and today's guest, Arlen Nipper, the co-inventor of MQTT. Arlen, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Hey, Travis. Thanks. I always enjoy this. I'm looking forward to the to the conversation we're going to have today. Now, this is your second time uh, with Inductive Conversations, and we're really excited about that. You're the, the first, second time <laughs> person. All right. I, I like that. You know, last time we talked about a lot about MQTT, the origin story to the practical implementation of, of it in the industrial settings. We're looking forward to expanding on that last conversation with Don in this conversation. You know, it seems like every year the interest of MQTT continues to grow. As the co-inventor of MQTT, what is it like to witness its rising popularity? And why do you think there's so much interest in it right now? It, it is interesting to me. I, I love sitting back and watching people do all kinds of things with MQTT, from Facebook using it, Facebook Messenger, to now it comes installed as standard on Raspberry Pis for college kids to play with. But I think the reason that it's taking off is because people are finding out that it's keep it simple, stupid. It's a very simple protocol. And, and you know, I would like to say that Andy and I were extremely intelligent. We invented this really complex uh, messaging transport. But the reality is, is it leverages all the advantages of TCP IP and just puts a delivery mechanism on top of that. Right. It keeps, it keeps things really simple. We need simplicity. You know, there's too many protocols out there today, and we got to get somewhere that, that is Everybody understands that not only the hardware and the devices, but also the applications, that they can all talk that same language. You know, MQTT was designed with oil and gas in mind. Have there been any applications of MQTT in other industries that have surprised you? Well, actually, every time I look out there, again, I mentioned Facebook a while ago, and, you know, I could say, well, you know, that's one of the reasons Chris and I started SiriusLink is we were really mad that, you know, a social media networking company actually scaled MQTT beyond what we actually had invented it for, which was industrial. But having said that, we see it in use today all over the place. If you consider Azure IoT Hub uses MQTT, AWS IoT, IBM Watson IoT, uh, Google Cloud Platform, SAP Leonardo, it's just becoming a very capable and consumable technology so that when we go talk to customers, not only the IT folks heard of it, the OT folks have heard of it, and we can start having that scaling discussion on, you know, how do you transform or go into digital transformation? Yeah, and MQTT, as we know, is an open standard and, uh, and has been payload agnostic. So we can send any kind of data we want over MQTT. But for the industrial space, uh, we, we know there's been a lot of a development with the Eclipse Foundation and the Tahoe Project, and there's a Sparkbug working group uh, so you can tell us more about that and why why it's important? Well, first of all, um, as we said, there's a lot of applications using MQTT. Now, the beautiful thing about MQTT is you can publish anything that you want on any topic. But the bad thing about MQTT is you can publish anything that you want on any topic. So what we did with Sparkplug a little over three years ago is we set down some really simple rules on, hey, if you're going to use this in an industrial, 
application, then this would probably be a really good topic namespace to use. This would be a good way to publish process variables, right? So we're talking about four to 20 milliamp loops, levels, a pump start stops. So if we could just have a common way of expressing that, then multiple OEM device vendors, multiple solution providers could all use MQTT with a common namespace and some common verbs to all be able to, to use MQTT, but use it in a real-time mission-critical industrial environment. Right, and it's all about context. We've got to have context of that data, and, and Sparkbook can really provide that context. It makes it much easier. Well, and really what we did, if you think about it, what we did, Travis, is we finally, you know, it's like the king has no clothes on. We finally came to the point of the last 40 years we've been using register-based protocols, i.e., I'm going to pull for a register, I'm going to get it back, and then I've got to give it context. I've got to get engineering units, I've got to timestamp it, I've got to give it engineering ranges. What Sparkplug did was move that atomic representation of that, that process variable all the way to the edge of the network, this, this tenant that we talk about, single source of truth. So when I go get that tag from Ignition or any other application, even if I get it a week from now, I've got the timestamp, I've got the tag name, I've got engineering units, I have context. So what we've created with Sparkplug is the notion of, for lack of a better name, we've de defined a process variable object that we can all work with. IT, OT, cloud, uh, time series database, SCADA, everybody can have that same single source of truth. Yeah, that's incredibly important. As we as we continue going on, we can't we can't do mappings a million times. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're gonna, gonna wear happen. you're you're gonna wear the data out before you get it. <laughs> yeah, and it just takes. So, I mean, look at some of these data projects that are out there. How much time is put in the beginning to provide the the tags and the address space and the mappings have to go in there and then the context is there and then guess what happens? We upgrade equipment or things change and then and then we have to do all that work over again, pretty much, right? Right, and it, and it's and you have to realize. The care and feeding of tags, it's not one time. It's for the rest of the life of that system. And that we've got to eliminate that overhead. It's just not economical. Uh, I know um, Chevron were on the Sparkplug Working Group uh, kickoff meeting that we had last week. And they were saying that they found out that by using Sparkplug and MQTT, they reduced the commissioning time of, of adding a single tank to 21% of what they used to take. And they're saying as they grow, they're, they're not going to get exponentially more employees to take care of their, their system. So to them, to Chevron, this is very important. Yeah, and it's a way, you know, you always, you always do this in demonstrations, how we can, in seconds, auto-discover all that, all that information that's out there with its context and allows us to bridge our legacy, our old devices, along with all the new equipment that's going to be coming in and be, we're going to plug and play with. Right. And because of MQTT, because, you know, one of the notions that we have to think about, and I hope that the people listening to this podcast still realize, is that with poll response, you're always using 100% of available bandwidth. And so you only have a finite number of tags. By using MQTT, if we can reduce that 80 to 95%, that's 80 to 95% more information that we're currently leaving stranded in the field. And that's where digital transformation gets interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of people have uh, asked us, you know, Induct Automation and SiriusLink, you know, about 
spark plug about MQTT, you know, especially spark plug in, in terms of, do you own it? Um, but that, that's really a, the, the Eclipse Foundation and the spark plug working group is really, you know, it's it, the whole, the whole, that, that was all started because it is an open standard. It's not something that we own, right? Right. We had no idea. Again, uh, we started going to ARC conference with inductive automation. Uh, you, yourself and I and Don Pearson had talked about, you know, who would adopt Spark Plug, and then it just took off. I mean, it was it almost took off uh, way faster than I thought it ever would. And we started getting the hard questions from very large customers: Arlen, who owns Spark Plug? And we said, "Well, it's on our public GitHub site," but that really wasn't the right answer. Because of my background and the fact that we had taken a lot of MQTT technology to open source through the Eclipse Software Foundation, they looked like the perfect fit. Now realize we could have gone to an industrial organization, to these uh, um, you know uh, collectives or organizations, but it would they aren't software centric. So you know ISA is not built to manage a, a software project, but the Eclipse Foundation are. So this is pretty disruptive is we've taken some industrial uh, technology, but we're taking that to a software-centric organization. Uh, I like the quote that Mike Belinkovich from Eclipse Foundation said is that software is eating the world. And we've got to address that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, you asked me, you know, how is MQTT taking off? Well, I think that's one of the reasons is that software and messaging and interoperability are eating the world. Yeah, and, and the idea is that we get huge adoption because that huge adoption is going to allow a lot of products out there to work together very simply. Absolutely. You know, obviously one big piece of digital transformation, you know, you, you, you started talking about it there a little bit, it is the education, is the awareness um, about it. And of course, with the, the Eclipse Working Group and the, the Spark Plug, um, that more information there, it's going to help get that awareness out there, right? Get different organizations together. Um, but in terms of, of Ignition, you know, I know we've been working together a lot to build a new series of videos uh, on, on MQTT in particular to talk, of course, about what MQTT is and how that how it works within, within Ignition to make that really simple. And so, so can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the importance of, of these videos and kind of why, why we got them going? A lot of people, you know, they look at MQTT and they say, okay, there's a topic and I, there's a payload and I can publish a message and then I can come over here and I can subscribe to that. And, you know, life is great. And I think a, that's a lot of what we were seeing is that everybody figured out using the baseline of MQTT was really easy. But then you go, well, Arlen, that satellite system, the network actually failed two minutes ago. D did you know that? Well, yes, we do, because we have the last will and testament built into MQTT. But, you know, you've got to explain that. So I think what the videos that you and I have done with for MQTT, it kind of goes through the development of an MQTT infrastructure. You know, what is a topic? What is a payload? What is a last will and testament? How, does a, how do clients work with MQTT servers? And we've put that in the context of how you would use that in a mission-critical SCADA system. Yeah, I know on our side, the videos that I, that I worked on in, in terms of Ignition were just, you know, obviously the basic installation configuration of the MQTT modules, but, all, but also to get some, more, some of the, the, the best practices in terms of how to, you know, set it up uh, in, in a secure environment. And not everybody knows 
a lot about TLS and creating certificates and having to manage those. Um, but that that was important. There's one thing that's really important about MQTT, as, as you keep on saying, right, is that you didn't invent your own security program. Right? <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should talk about that for a second. Yeah. Travis, that's one of the things people will come up. They go, Arlen, you know, we're trying to make a decision between OPCUA and MQTT, and we notice that OPCUA has security built into it. But, but MQTT doesn't have any security. And that's on purpose. Because remember... MQTT sits right on top of TCP. It doesn't change TCP. It doesn't use UDP. It doesn't use other transports. It's a requirement. Now, 20 years ago, when Andy and I were working on MQTT, that was a big decision. We could have gone UDP. We could have invented our own transport. And everybody kept saying, oh, no, TCP, IP, that's too heavy on the wire. That'll never work. But in hindsight, you know, with hindsight being 2020, it's the best decision we could have made because now our security model is is right on top of the latest advancements for TCP IP. And so, you know, 20 years ago when we did this, nobody heard of TLS. You know, now we've got TLS 1.2 and I'm sure something else will come out in the future and you are guaranteed that you're going to be compatible with that. Right. Yeah, I know the videos really, and the, the videos help really get people understand how to set it up in that way and it makes it make it simple um, when looking at MQTT is already really simple and it's already it's easy to get started with it. Yep. Um, there's some, some of those best practices some of those things that are there um, can really can help get that scalability that people want and that people need. You know, I know you played a key role in sort of defining part of Ignition Edge and also with the Ignition Onboard program. Um, so what are your, your thoughts about you know, the growth of Ignition Edge, especially with, with MQTT and with the Onboard program, what, what that can bring to the table? Well, again, Travis, I think about this. I mean, I was, you know, I'm out here doing some other videos. I got to thinking that you and I got together less than four years ago when I, I came out here and I said, hey, Travis, I think we've got a good idea. It's called MQTT. And then we said, well, you know what? Now we've got lightweight messaging. We can actually set out at the edge and efficiently publish tags in. And, oh, what if we took a smaller version of Ignition? We call it Ignition Edge. And, well, it's Java, so it can run on just about anything. Yeah. A preponderance of OEM devices already had embedded Linux. So all of a sudden, this Ignition Edge notion popped out. And now we had everything that we needed for Ignition Edge. And to me... What that means is we've we've made a disruptive step in having software that can run on multiple OEM devices out on the edge that's all the same, that works the same way, publishes that information in. And now an OEM can implement Sparkplug himself, or they can go with Ignition Edge, or they can do both. And I think what we, Ignition and Link have, or Inductive and Link have brought to the table is kind of the perfect mix of being able to put a, you know, basically a buffet out there for the customer and let him pick best in class hardware, network, security, applications, and really get him all the tools he needs for digital transformation. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we both see the, you know, Ignition Edge and, and being able to move, especially move polling out to Edge Network for legacy devices, really have a distributed network be a real key part of the of an architecture change that's needed for digital transformation, but in terms of digital transformation that we've talked, you know, it's it's a hot topic right now oh, yeah. in, in the industrial space. We certainly are doing a lot of education and, and awareness about what we think digital transformation is and and what what's required for it. But you know, you you, you talk a lot. You have a lot of presentations about digital transformation and 
And but let's kind of first frame it as and give give uh, the, the people listening sort of context right now in terms of of how a digital transformation is being presented and what that means to the you know from an IT perspective to an o, the OT world. My notion, Travis, is we talk to customers all the time, and I think we're a little bit in the forest for the trees. I.e. There's executives in a lot of big companies. There are there are IIoT executives now, right? You know, at the C level, and they have the conversations with cloud providers or or you know what they could do, and they want to get started on their digital transformation. But I'm here to tell you that's the wrong place to start, because here I'll give you a quote. I came up with this quote for ICC this year. And what I said was, ignition-based digital transformation uniquely addresses the fundamental issue that current OT infrastructures simply are not conducive to the requirements of digital transformation. What I mean is that, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. And the problem is we have these legacy infrastructures that are pole response that have been there 20, 30, or 40 years. So the first, if we're going to go on our digital transformation journey, the first place to look is how can I change my OT infrastructure to make it better OT, full stop, and then be ready to just plug digital transformation into it. So you're saying we shouldn't from an IT perspective just say, oh yeah, no problem. We get at that day. It'd be really easy. You know what we're going to do? We're going to write some custom code, some APIs we put down locally. We're going to hopefully tack it to, you know, through to the, the SCADA system that's there. And not harm anything, of course, and hope that all the data that we want is is actually there. Is she saying that's not the right approach? The first project will work perfectly. And then somebody will see that and they'll go, hey, you changed that for th- this consumer in the enterprise. I want you to do this. You change it a little bit more. And then somebody else goes, oh, well, let's enable mobile. You can change this. And I've seen it time and time again, is that you're going to take a perfectly good SCADA system and infrastructure, and it'll become so customized It'll become brittle, and then nobody will want to touch it, and innovation will stop. Absolutely. Yeah, we, really, we have to transform that OT layer. OT has to think of digital transformation in the same light that the IT professionals are. Absolutely. You know, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of money for digital transformations at the C-level, right? They want, they want to do some amazing things with the data, the machine learning, and they want to do analytics, and obviously get a lot of wisdom out of the data that's there. But they're neglecting to realize that the majority of the data they need is where? It's at the OT layer. And we fundamentally have to get OT you know, systems to kind of think like IT in terms of being open and standard and, and being able to be interoperable, um, but of course, have it work for the OT world as well. I, I know you talk about that a lot. You know, we, can't, we, can't, we have to get to digital transformation, but we have to keep our SCADA systems running and have superior systems. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and, and, and I've been on numerous projects now for probably the last two and a half years where Customers have started down the path, and they've they've taken and t- kind of taken the IT approach in putting, like you were saying a while ago. Well, let's put an edge of network device there, and we'll write some JSON, or, or we'll write some Python code to convert that to JSON to publish it to one of the cloud services. Again, in a one-off experiment, that's going to work fine. But we've got to think more in terms of tools on platforms, not coding on operating systems. And I have seen, you know, I've been doing this for 42 years now, and I've seen a lot of coding on operating systems, and it never works. 
I guarantee it will never work. So when I go to uh, someone like Amazon on some of their projects wanting to get data into Amazon, into S3 or into Kinesis or into DynamoDB or, you know, into their SageMaker, you know, if they look at it from writing lambdas with Python code, they really understand that's not scalable. But if I've got a tool like, like Ignition, so I've got my Ignition Designer, I've got my tag management, I can do UDTs, I can put context to those tags. Now I have a tool that I can give to any engineer on the plant floor, and he knows how to deal with it. So in, t in terms of digital transformation, now let's talk about what is needed in order to really achieve it. What are the, the major steps, if you will, that uh, companies need to be looking at in, in terms of digital transformation? Don has said this before in Industry X.0. Uh, there's numerous Gartner, you know, studies that have said you've got to have your. There's no one company that's going to be able to do digital transformation in in 2019 going into 2020. No one company is going to be able to do this. This is we're going to require an ecosystem from you know. Again, we're talking about the industrial internet of things. That those things are devices that OEMs are manufacturing. Those things need to talk into infrastructure to be decoupled. That infrastructure needs to be plugged into by solutions that understand the data that they're getting in full context, not editing a Modbus 40,012, you know, 14 times in 14 different applications. So really, to me, inductive automation provides the, the tools technology, and the ecosystem through the onboard program required to modernize existing OT infrastructures. And that results not only in superior OT or SCADA solutions, but an infrastructure that's now ready to address your digital transformation requirements, both today and wherever you want to go in the future. Yeah, you know, the, the decoupling you mentioned, we know it's, it's, it's so important to be able to decouple the applications from the devices. And of course, we do live in the brownfield world, right? There's a lot of legacy devices out there. At the same time, you're working very closely with a lot of manufacturers of new sensors and equipment, getting MQTT ready to go on that yep. on those devices, so they can plug and play. Um, you know, in, in the in the infrastructure, we got these two worlds: we've got the old and the new. And there's a lot of focus on. Of course, we could bring new sensors in and all that, but we really have to make sure we can. We're we're not just putting a bandaid on the old stuff. We got to fundamentally bring the old the legacy in to the same Oh, it, believe me. I mean, you and I both, we would love to, we would love for the brownfield world to never have existed. Give us a nice, clean, shiny slate and we'll design, we'll design the best, you know, digital transformation system in the world. That's not going to happen. I mean, there may be a few cases, but 99%, we're going to have to address the uh, existing applications, existing equipment, existing protocols, and do that in a way that gives us a migration strategy to where we want to be. Right. And I think the, the Ignition Onboard Program is going to be a real one, one key way to do that. The Onboard Program is combining, you know, the, the hardware, embedded IPCs and panel beetle PCs and networking equipment, anything that can run fog computing. It's basically having Ignition pre-installed, pre-licensed, ready to go, you know, from the manufacturer. So that like, we, with Ignition Edge, MQTT product on it so that we can easily take data from those PLCs into this infrastructure from, from the legacy world. Absolutely. And not only can we do that from device to cloud, again, I'm seeing more and more customers looking at, you know, edge of network IT 
right? So the IT edge versus the OT edge. But the IT edge, again, is not set up to be able to handle all of the aspects of, let's go back and call it, let's, let's be technical here for a little bit. Let's call it a process variable from a sensor in the field. Let's say it's a 4 to 20 milliamp loop. You know, if zero to 4095, we got to scale it. We've got to get an engineering unit. So we've, all of those things that APIs just don't give us, but tools give us. And with Ignition, we can we can show that. You know, my brownfield to cloud in 30-minute demo. Absolutely. And and we're, you know, a lot, lot of onboard partners that are, are being in the program, um, you know, companies like Advantech and Moxa and, and O-Ring and many others, and Opti22 and many others that, is going to make this really approachable because you could just simply go to the manufacturer, get an equipment uh, that already has everything ready to go. You didn't, you didn't have to go and get the hardware, get the software separately, install it, go and configure it, tune it, all of those things. It's just ready to go. If you have, if you want to change your transformation, doing the first couple of pilots is no big deal. But it's that rollout, it's that getting everything to be brought into the infrastructure uh, as you go along. That. Can, that can be challenging. If we can reduce any of those steps, we're going to we're going to save people a lot of time. Absolutely, and I think with organizations like uh, Eclipse Foundation and Tahu, I think with with ecosystems like the onboard program, I think with with solution providers understanding the value of spark plug. So, uh, I'll give you an example. Canary Labs is a time series database, right? And typically in time series databases, just like in SCADA systems, you had to go configure every tag that you wanted to show up in your time series database. Well, now, you know, we can have an infrastructure with Ignition Edge, publishing tags, and then take an Ignition Gateway and a Canary Lab time series database, plug them in, and in a few seconds they know all the tags and all the engineering units and all the parameters. Yeah, plus we can then have IT who wants to play around, get access to some of that data as well. Other applications that want to that want to be brought in, or if we want to experiment and play with some new systems that are out there, hey, plug it in. And we can start looking at that. absolutely. It's it's the serendipitous nature of data, and think about it. There's no way with existing legacy OT infrastructures that you, Travis, could come to me and go, "Hey, Arlen, I just had a really good idea. If I could take these tank levels and these temperatures, and then bring in some market information, I could do this great application." And I go, well, Travis, you're going to have to go to OT and ask for an additional poll to be put into the poll table to get that piece of information. And you got to go through and then we'll have to redo a point check. And, well, Travis, maybe six months from now we can give you that piece of information. By that time, you're going, I'm not interested. It's got to be simpler. Right? Exactly. So that brings us to kind of you know, end users um, and, and who have to, you know, obviously are, are they're the ones that have to go through and adopt these and, and put these in place. And. But what have you seen in the past year you know, uh, as a progress towards digital transformation, uh, you know, towards this? What, is it, what has it been like? Well, for, from SiriusLink perspective, I mean, just to even look at the adoption of Sparkplug and the sales that we've had in 2019, it's incredible. I mean, the adoption is, is I could say, almost exponential now. So I think people are really starting to, to understand this. They're starting to leverage the capabilities. Um, you know, and, and it's two phase. You know, one of the things we were talking about is this, you know, serendipitous nature of data and being able to plug things in and unplug them. But one of the things I wanted to bring up is that even from the standpoint of forget cloud, forget, you know, predictive maintenance, machine learning, think of a system where you never had to do a cutover. Yeah. Right. So now you've got your, your production system plugged in. You've got test and dev plugged in. 
but they're both looking at the same tag that's coming in from MQTT Sparkplug. So starting from there and then being able to expand out, now I've got OEM devices, I've got much more exponentially more efficient network uh, infrastructure. Now I can bring more information in reliably. And now I can bring that into multiple applications, satisfy all of my requirements for mission critical for real time, and then be able to take that information and literally plug it into cloud applications. So I think the for me and for SiriusLink, the adoption has just been incredible in 2019. Now, that's great because, you know, we, how many years have we working together now? Three, five years? Well, no. Four or five years? Four years. Four years. So, you know, we did a lot of education, a lot of <laughs> exactly. work to get people to understand the possibilities. I mean, when you came to the office that day and talked about MQTT and you drew up the architecture, I was sold in two seconds. I knew exactly what was going on. You know, I coming from the IT world, kind of you can come to the OT space and be like, why the heck did we do it that way? And there was a really, really funny, um, you know, I, I think slide you saw that had a reference to uh, to a movie that talks about if you could get rid of the, the idea of pull response uh, yeah. protocols. Why don't you talk about that? Okay, so um, actually this was, was taught at Chevron, and he was talking about why Chevron are looking at uh, adopting MQTT spark plug. And the first slide was Men in Black, right? And it has Will Smith holding up the, the nebulizer, the mind eraser. Imagine you click that and you didn't know a darn thing about SCADA or protocols. You didn't know about Modbus or Hart or Allen Bradley DF1 or DMP 3.0. And you, but, but you were very knowledgeable IT. And somebody had this piece of equipment, had all of these analogs and statuses and information flowing in. And you, you plugged it in and you said, oh, you've got to pull it and ask it for information. And you'd go, what? You have to ask it? This is 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's really funny because, I mean, uh, we saw that potential way back. And, and over the years, we have been able to see the growth of MQTT and see the adoption of MQTT. And I, I think it's being adopted and being used versus being an idea. Right. And, and that was very important. You, you have to realize and I've, I've, I've joked with you about this before, right, is that I think Andy and I did a very good job because we did keep it simple. But the problem was with IBM. So for the first 10, 12 years of MQTT, it was sequestered to whatever you could buy from IBM. There wasn't a lot of MQTT servers out there. You, you know, you couldn't just go run it on a Raspberry Pi. And, and then the Ignition platform came along. And, and again, I had been to all of the other, you know, ignition competitors out there, and nobody got it. Nobody got it. But when we got a platform called Ignition, and we could take this notion of what we thought MQTT could do and start writing the, the modules to plug in MQTT engine, MQTT transmission, and distributor, then all of a sudden it was the perfect marriage of a platform that had the capabilities and a technology waiting to solve a problem. And look at where, where we are. And I think there's a lot of really bright future in terms of MQTT because, again, going back to, the, to what you said earlier, the keep it simple, stupid model. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's easy for people to adopt. I mean, heck, right? Like you were saying, there's, there's students in dorm rooms that are developing on this and yep. they're the next generation that come in. They yeah. need to understand this data or we're going to have some problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's the, the, you know, that is one of the issues is the graying of the engineering that know how all the existing systems work. And, you know, the, the guys that are, you know, 55, you know, 60 like me, 61, 62, 
that's where the knowledge is right now. But all of these students coming out of college, they are sharp. They are bright. And they want to apply their their techno- their knowledge. And I think um, with this sort of, with Sparkplug, with MQTT, with the really leveraging TC. No, come on. The future is going to be TCPIP. It won. No argument. We're done, right? So now let's figure out how to leverage TCPIP, get it into an industrial environment, get that infrastructure done correctly. So now it's o- it's IT ready going forward. Let's give OT the tools, the technologies to be able to execute what they're really good at and everything else will just fall out. Yeah, I'm really excited about the potentials. And once we do that, once we can solve the OT layer, what what sort of amazing things can we do with that data? You know, in terms of all of the, the great AI and machine learning and the analytics and you know, whether it's predictive analytics or, or tuning your process uh, automatically through, the, through, you know, getting that streaming, that live data, whatever it might be. There's a lot of opportunity. And I think customers can really start ben- getting benefits out of that. Well, that and, you know, I, I think one of the interesting applications, look at Magnetrol. Magnetrol manufactures smart level transmitters. And they've got a, a, a blue tech box that converts their heart protocol to Sparkplug B. And, you know, from a customer standpoint, they just really, really are worrying about really expensive product and tanks that are going up and down. But by using MQTT and opening up the other 600 process variables that are in our smart transmitter, Magnetrol can go in there and help customers tune their level transmitters and make them work better. And there are many, many examples in there. Forget about MQTT and PubSub and all that. Customers showing, you know, one, 10, 12 million dollar ROIs on better level measurement. Right. Right. So what I've seen, although a lot of our customers have grand plans for what they want to do with cloud, what I've seen the biggest eye opener is for customers that are starting to use our EFM protocols and they're getting, instead of getting hourly data, they're getting minute data. Mm -hmm. Their operators are blown away. They go, oh my God, I didn't know that was happening. So I would say, I would agree with you. We're going to do some fantastic things, but getting visibility of more data quicker, I think that's almost the biggest thing right there. Yeah, like you say, what almost 90% of the data is out there stranded. Yep. And and I think you're right. The first thing you gotta do, of course, is get at that data. To be able to, there's probably some amazing things you can do with it just, just by having it and at faster rates. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Again, not to beat on a dead horse here, but making it humanly accessible. So I'll give you a good example. Because of Ignition, I can do a, a expression tag. Right. And you know this in a flow computer, there's probably 50 or more enumerations in a PLC. There's probably hundreds of you know, enumerations. So, oh, well, Travis, I just got a value of seven and that's an enumeration that could be stainless steel or Monel or, or carbon. You know, so you're on the phone going, well, Travis, what brand of PLC is this? And what's the enumeration for stainless steel? Oh, that's a zero for this brand of flow computer, but it's a three for this one. My point is, is that because we have Ignition Edge, we're able to take all those enumerations and make them humanly readable. So by the time the IT guys get them in the application, it says, oh, this is your reference material. This is your, you know, your atmospheric calculations are using AGA3 or whatever. So now you've got context. You're not having to call 15 different people to get context to a piece of data. 
Absolutely, well said. Well, Arlen, thanks so much for being on this uh, this on this conversation. Really appreciate. It. Always like love hearing you know insights you have, and of course, uh, you know seeing where we where we can all go with MQTT. It's been great. Thanks. Hey, listeners. This is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.